0: Come with me, please, tonight to two places, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. Tonight we're going to look at another notable woman who is nameless, but was remarkable nonetheless. So Matthew, chapter 15, and Mark, chapter 7. Both Matthew and Mark record the story for us. slightly different. That's why we're going to read both it's short readings, of course. So in Matthew 15, we're reading from verse 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And then in Mark chapter 7, reading from verse 24. Same story, but slightly different. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered into a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. Uh, Read that as the woman was a Gentile. Oftentimes those who were Gentiles were simply called Greeks. Three main cultures of the day was the Greek culture, the Hebrew culture, and, of course, the Roman culture. And she was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. This whole region of Tyre and Sidon was actually the region of Phoenicia, Syrophoenicia. And because Matthew calls her, uh, he said she came from Canaan, she was a Canaanite, that means that her heritage, her roots, uh, she was a Canaanite. By, uh, by heritage, I suppose you could say, even though she's living in this region. Whatever way you look at it, she's a Gentile. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. I think it would be hard for us tonight to even begin to imagine the terrible, miserable, awful home this must have been. Here is this dear woman and her little daughter. Her young child is demon-possessed. How, when, or why, we have no idea, but she was. And knowing what we know regarding demon-possession in the Scripture, no doubt it was a living nightmare for this little girl and a living hell for her mother. No doubt it caused many, many problems and tensions within the home. I'm sure this woman's social life was non-existent. This probably required 24-7 care at all times. And what could she do about it? Probably tried any kind of medicinal method that failed. Probably tried all kinds of quack Schemes and went to clack doctors. None of it worked. There was nothing seemingly could help this little child. Nothing medically, no counseling, no care, nothing. And as she get that little bit older, it would get increasingly worse. So this woman is desperate, desperate for something. And any mother who's got a child with any kind of illness particularly if it's a debilitating illness where there seems to be no hope for, it's only going to get worse, then perhaps then that mother could begin to understand what this mother is going through. She must have been absolutely desperate in hope when something could possibly happen. And even though Tyre and Sidon would be a region that Jesus would not frequent, uh, even though it would be an area that Nobody would expect Jesus to go to, a bit like the Samaritan area. Uh, any self-respecting Jew would not be anywhere near and Sidon. Any self-respecting Jew would believe and call all the Gentiles dogs. Not a very nice or title to give anyone, but that's how it was in those days. That's how they felt about them. They felt it would be beneath them to even bother to speak to them, let alone visit them. And so for any possibility of this miracle worker coming near where she lived would be absolutely remote. And no doubt that they had heard much about Jesus of Nazareth, about the man from Galilee. And I'm sure they'd heard many, many stories of the miracles uh, that he performed. Probably somebody would tell her about the time that Jesus went into the, the synagogue in Capernaum, and how that there was a man there who was uh, blind and, and, and dumb, and how that he, he was demon possessed. And, and, and Jesus cast that demon out of the man, and he was able to see and he was able to speak. And maybe they told her about the time that he took that special journey to the country of the Gadarenes, where that poor man was in the graveyards running naked among the graves and cutting himself, and, and, and they chained him, and he would break the chains like twigs, and he was a madman. And yet Jesus went and completely delivered him, and he was found sane and in his right mind. And Maybe they even told her about the man who came to the disciples, about his little son, and said he's got a demon, will you cast him out? And they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And then Jesus came on the scene, and he was quite upset with the disciples, and he said, what's wrong with the boy? And how, often, how when, did he, when did this happen? And he says, of a child. The father says, of a child. And, and, and often he, it throws him into the fire and throws him into the water, and he, he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth, and asked your disciples, and he couldn't do anything. But if you could do something, if you have had compassion and do something. And of course, Jesus completely and utterly delivered that little boy. So, so maybe she heard these stories, and And listening to these stories, hope would rise up in her heart. But then as quickly as hope would rise up in her heart and and her faith would be inspired, it would be dashed again because she probably would think, but that's okay because he's a Jew and he's from Galilee and he's never been here before and he probably had never ever come here. I mean, what Jew would ever want to come near Sidon where I live? And so her hopes would be dashed again. And that's probably the way she was for a long time. But then one day, one day he did come. One day he did appear right in her region. And the news spread like wildfire. You know, Jesus wanted to get away from what was happening in Capernaum. and You know, this is a journey of some 30 to 40 miles. He really, really wanted to get away. And you saw we read there in Mark how that he got into this house and didn't want anybody even to know he was there. You know, he just wanted some peace and quiet and get his thoughts together and just get a break from, just from ministry for a while. Jesus in his humanity got tired like everybody else. But somehow the word got out. It could not be hidden, it said. And so once the woman heard that, that the miracle worker, that Jesus of Nazareth was in town, there's nothing that was going to stop her, but she was going to go and she was going to make her petition to the master. And so that's what happens. She comes. Verse 22 of Matthew 15, Behold, a woman of Cana came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So the first thing she does is she cries out to him for mercy. And note what she calls him, son of David. That's a distinctly Jewish term. That's a messianic term term. So somehow or other, this Canaanite woman somehow or other believed that this was the Jewish Messiah. In fact, she believed that more than the Jews believed. Especially the religious ones. And so she she's deferential to him. She's respectful. And she calls him, in a fact, Messiah, son of David. That's what, in a fact, she's saying to him. And so she comes with the right attitude, she comes with the right words, she comes with the right spirit, she's prepared for this, she's probably thought, what am I going to say? I've got to say the right thing here, I've only got one shot at this, because everybody's going to be there, I've got to do this right, and she did it right. Nobody could ask her to do any better, and yet she was a pagan woman, a Canaanite, and yet she was more respectful and deferential than, than the Jews were, that Jesus wanted to get away from. That's why he came here. So she says, my little daughter, she's severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. Not a word. So unlike Jesus. Not, not the usual way that Jesus would respond to a needy, needy person. And particularly when a little child is involved. Because Jesus loved children, didn't he? I don't know how she felt at that moment. Her heart, at least momentarily, must have dropped under her boots. I mean, she was respectful. She she was nice. She was courteous. She said all the right things. She couldn't approach Jesus in a better manner than she did. And he didn't even speak to her. He didn't even acknowledge she was even standing there. (coughs) It's so unlike Christ, isn't it? I wonder how she felt. Disappointed? Upset? A little bit angry? How would you feel? Or how do you feel when you pray and you make a petition and you make a supplication unto God and he answers not a word. The heavens are like brass. It's as if your voice hit the ceiling and come back down again. Does he not care? Does he not feel what I feel? Does he not see my difficulty? Now, we know, of course, because we have got the whole four Gospels and we know what Jesus was truly like. We know he's full of compassion, of tender mercies, and long-suffering, and all of those wonderful things, his great attributes. We know he's full of power. So we know he's doing this for a reason, but she didn't know. As far as she was concerned, he just didn't speak to her. But you've got to love this woman because where most people at that point would either get offended and upset and frustrated and maybe walked away and said, what a waste of time and how dare he and why me and why is he doing this to me? But she did none of those things. There's a big lesson for us here, by the way. The reason why this is in the Bible is for us. It's not just a nice little story. It's for us to learn from. Because sometime you're going to pray. You're going to ask the Lord. And he's not going to speak. And if he doesn't answer... He's got a good reason not to answer. Maybe He wants us to press a little bit more. Maybe He wants to see we just don't want to give up at the first hurdle. So, He answers her, not a word. And His disciples came and urged Him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. (laughs) She wasn't crying after them, she was crying after Jesus, but... They were going to take a little bit of the credit here because of around them. You know, there's two ways you can look at that. Either, either way the disciples didn't come out of it very well. But the worst scenario is that they were saying, Send her away. You know, we can't be bothered with all this noise and nonsense. Send her away. We, we came here for peace and quiet. Or just send her away. You know, the disciples were fond of sending people away, weren't they? The little children came around Jesus, send them away didn't they? Remember the feeding of the 5,000? You know, they said, Jesus, you know, it's getting late in the day and there's a lot of these people here and they haven't eaten for three days. Send them away into the villages. Let them get their own food. The disciples were quite fond of dismissing people, weren't they? For their own sake, because they couldn't be bothered. And so it could be that's what their attitude. Just send her away. And if it was, it was highly Offensive. I mean, how, how would you like to be meeting Jesus for the first time and with a desperation cry on your lips and somebody come up and say, clear off. You know, like the people that time were, you remember Bartimaeus shouted out, and the people said, shut up, you're making a racket here. It's a bit offensive, isn't it? Has a Christian ever offended you? that ever happened? Do you ever get offended? Has some fellow believer ever offended you? Ever said the wrong thing to you and you get really, really offended, you thought, why in the world did they do that? What were they thinking? Who do they think they are? And then we kind of get up on our high horse, don't we? <laughs> don't we? We get offended, don't we really? Or it could have been, by the way. It could have been maybe they just weren't as callous and as hard as that. It could have been they were saying, Lord, deal with this woman and then send her away. You know, she's just going to keep coming and coming. You don't deal with her. Lord, just give her what she wants and send her away. You know, if, if we look at it that way, takes the hard edge off it, but still, still don't look too good because the, they couldn't be bothered. They just want to rid of her. Either way, Lord, just deal with her and let her go. That, that maybe was her attitude. But either way, it was offensive. First of all, Jesus doesn't speak to her. Then these... Right-hand man tells her to clear off. Now, at that point, most of us would have given up, wouldn't we? Come on, be honest, wouldn't we? Jesus doesn't speak to us. Somebody offends us. We'd be off. That would be it. Bunch of hypocrites, those Christians, never going to church again. So they said, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said... And it's implies saying this to the disciples, not to her. Because they're the ones who are speaking to him, so he's addressing them. She's standing right there. He's not speaking to her. And he might even have his back to her. The disciples are talking to him. He answers them. And he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So if they're saying to him, Lord, would you deal with this woman? Would you just deal with her and let her go? He's saying, but wait a minute, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. And she's standing right there listening to this. Now, if you were there, would you not really be annoyed? Would you not be offended? Would you not be hurt? Would you not be standing there thinking, does these people not care about me and my need? But this is why you've got to admire this woman. Because none of that seems to matter to her. She's got one thing in mind that she's going to get the answer that she needs, and nothing and no one is going to put her off. So then she came and she worshiped him. And then she says, Lord, help me. (laughs) <laughs> That's cute, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, help me. That's all she could say. You can almost get to see the point where now she's really getting desperate here. Up to now, nothing has worked. Jesus ignored her. Disciples is rid with her. They just want to get rid of her. Jesus turned his back on her. He's talking to his disciples as if she's not even in existence. And she falls at his feet worshiping him and saying, Lord, help me. Very short prayer. But it's her faith behind the prayer that really moves the master. It's not great flowery prayers, not great flowery words. And all the time, this is Jesus, what he's wanting to do. He's teasing out of her that faith that was there. He's teaching her something, he's teaching the disciples something, and he's teaching us something. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, "Boy, this just seems to go from bad to worse for this woman. I mean, this is so unlike Jesus, except we know why he's doing it. He said, it is not good to take the children's bread And throw it to the little dogs. Now the King James Version says throw it to the dogs. (laughs) But it's in the diminutive, the word. And it means the little dogs. Little household dogs, little puppy dogs. Dogs in the east were not well respected at all. Mostly they would not be about the home except and when there were little puppies. And that was probably because of the children. Once they get up, they'll be kicked out. Many times just to roam the street in packs. In fact, if you go about even Eastern Europe today, we saw them in the Ukraine when you go there, you see packs of dogs running in packs all over the city. Nobody cares about them. They're feral, they're wild. And because the Jews called them the Gentiles dogs, Jesus uses this term. Only he softens it somewhat. He calls them little dogs. Little puppies. But it can still be offensive to her. It's a big test of her mettle. How easily offended we can become. So he said it's not good to take the children's bread. The children. When he's talking about the children's bread, he's talking about this <laughs> wonderful gospel and all that it involves, including the healing of the body. Remember... In another uh, particular passage, he said that healing is the children's bread. So he's using this terminology, knowing that she knows what the Jews think of them. So she's been greatly tested here. So he said, it's not fitting, it's not right. The children's bed should be taken and thrown to the little dogs. How's she going to respond to that? She has many, many opportunities to quit, hasn't she? Most of us would have given up long ago When he answered not a word, that would have been the end of that prayer. But not this woman. And then, and this must have pleased the heart of Christ. Mm -hmm. Then she she this is a master stroke. She takes the very word. This is very, very unique in the in the four gospels. She takes the words of Christ. And she turns them back on him. Usually Jesus took people's words and turned them back on them. She takes his words and turns them back on him in a nice way. But this was a master stroke. And this showed the depths of this woman's determination of faith to get an answer. And it really, really touched the heart of Jesus. And she says, Yes, Lord. You're right. That's right. I don't belong to the family home. I'm not like the children sitting around the table. I'm a gentile. I'm a dog. You're the chosen ones, not us. Yes, Lord, that's true. I accept that. You're right. No arguments here. No theological discussions. That's okay, Lord. That's right. You're right. It's wonderful sometimes when you don't understand what the Lord's doing, that you can still say, well, Lord, you're still right. I can't understand it, but you're right. You're never wrong. You're right. That's a big help, isn't it? She says, yes, Lord. And she said, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs. And the word crumbs there she uses is in the diminutive. So she even make the crumbs even smaller than crumbs. Says, yes, Lord. But even the little dogs, the little puppy dogs, they eat the little tiniest little fragments of crumbs which fall from their master's table. Here's what she's saying Lord, I'm not asking you to sit at your table. I'm, I'm a Gentile. I know I can't. I'm not even asking you for a loaf of bread. I'm just asking for the tiniest piece of the tiniest crumb. That's all I'm asking. I'm not going to take any of the children's bread. They'll have their fill. But the bits that slip through the cracks in the table that falls on the ground that the dogs eat, that's enough for me. Just the tiniest little bit will do. And what she's really saying is, Lord, you have so much power. You have so much power that the tiniest little portion will be enough for me. Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, the least of all the seeds. Lord, I'm not asking much. Just the tiniest little crumb of your mercy and your compassion and your power, that's all I need. (laughs) And that was the very place and point that Jesus was getting her to. And that's the place he wants to get us to. I don't think we've got there yet. If you got there, I don't think I'm there yet. But that's the point he wants us to get to. Which fall from their master's table. Notice it says master's table. You know, the householder, he feeds his children. The master feeds the children first. And after the children are well fed, then whatever's left, he gives it to the dogs. But the children get first. And he's the master. And he can do that. So she said, Lord, you're the master. I'm not even one of your children. I'm just a dog. I'm just a Gentile. But you're the master. But that's okay. If I'm just a dog, if I'm just a little dog underneath the table, that's fine by me. I'll just be a little dog. All I need is a crumb. Even less than a crumb will do me. How could Jesus refuse this? And he didn't refuse this. He didn't refuse this. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. He could have said, great is your wisdom. He could have said, great is your patience. He could have said, great is your humility. Because she had all those things. But the thing that he chose to commend was her faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. There's something about us trusting Him that absolutely delights the heart of God. We can't explain that. We don't know why that is. But there's something about faith, even if it's a tiny, tiny little bit of faith, even if it's only a grain of little mustard seed, if that's all that we have, and we use it and trust and believe Him, it pleases his great heart. And Jesus said this woman had great faith. He's talking about the quality of her faith. And not so much talking about the size of it, the quality of it. It's great faith. There's only two people in the Gospels that Jesus said had great faith. This woman here in Matthew 15 and the Roman centurion, centurion in Matthew 8. Remember what he said to him? About his great faith? Remember the man who understood the authority of Jesus? He said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. Two Gentiles. And here are we, and we've got the whole book. We've got all the scriptures. We've got everything. And oftentimes our faith. Has not even reached the height of this Gentile. (coughs) The Lord will take faith where He finds it, won't He? But you see what she's depending on? Old Matthew Henry, that great old writer, he says she wasn't pleading her cause, she was pleading Christ's, not pleading her merits, but pleading Christ's merits. And that's the difference. She didn't feel she had any merits. But she was pleading on his merits. When all the writers said that she wasn't depending on the goodness of her cause, she was depending on the goodness of Christ's heart. And that's what we're dependent on too, isn't it? Because that takes it out of us and onto him. And that's what he wants in the first place. Us to believe and look to him and trust his heart. So he said, Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. That's a powerful statement on its own. You don't see that many times in the New Testament. Let it be unto you as you desire. What is it you want? Your daughter to be made whole? Whole? To be delivered, so be it. Let it be unto you as you desire. Is that your heart's desire? Okay, I'll grant that. What a blessing that must have been to that little woman. What a joy that must have been to her heart to know at that moment the very thing she came for that Jesus granted her request. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. In Mark's gospel, this is the way he put it. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. There was something about what she said revealed her faith. It was that business of saying, Lord, just even the tiniest little crumb will be enough. And that's all he needed to hear. She had really got it. She had got it more than those disciples had got it. She had got it more than we have got it. She really understood. For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Totally at peace. Completely at rest. Not restless, not agitated, not fearful, not jumpy and nervy completely and utterly at rest. And as soon as she took one look at her, she knew. (coughs) She knew that was gone. And it would never return. And that little girl's life and that mother's life would never, ever be the same. And this woman became notable because of her great faith. She became notable because she was only one of two people that Jesus commended so highly for their faith. Let us be encouraged tonight. If this woman, a rank pagan, with no background (coughs) in the religion we believe in, if she could come to the Master and she could get what she wanted, can we not get it? Are we not the children? Is this not the children's bread? Surely we can get a portion, can't we? We can sit at the table. We can take our fill. Let's pray. Lord, would you encourage your saints tonight? That we may look to you. That we may reach out in what faith we have got. And touch your heart with it. For Lord, it's only by believing in you. That's what our faith is. Believing and trusting you and your word. Lord, that pleases your heart. Lord, there are many needs in here tonight. There are those who may listen to my voice on a CD, in a podcast, and their need is great tonight. Maybe, Lord, they're at the end of their tether, so to speak. And it seems like you're not answering But Lord, what they don't understand is that you want them to pursue and to go after you. Because your word says that if we keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking, that we would get our answer. So Lord, help us, Lord, not to give up. Even though it may seem like, Lord, that you're not interested. It may seem like, Lord, that you're not answering. Help us, Lord, not ever to give up, but to press in and to press on and to touch your heart with our faith that we may receive what we need. Lord, should it be a miracle, should it be a mighty breakthrough, that we may receive what we need from the hand of the Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for the inspiration of your word. We bless you, Lord, that this story is in the Scriptures, that we may be encouraged thereby, that we may pursue and follow after and reach out and press in and go on and never give up and don't quit until we receive the answer from the hand of the Lord. So bless your people tonight. Meet the need. Give the breakthrough. And let there be a miracle at the end of the prayer.